You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, Chevra. so Be'ezrus Hashem, what we're going to be continuing with tonight is our second shir in the series of shirim on the laughter of Yitzchak. And I apologize if the audio is a little bit off. I'm just in a different room where there's more of an echo. But um, one thing that I wanted to start with, which I briefly touched upon last week, was the title, Sloik the Yitzchak. And to the best of my knowledge, I had not seen that language anywhere explicitly, which was not a problem, but Adarabi, you want to find it in, in, in the Tzadikim. The Rebbe used the, the Lashon in, uh, I, I forget which Shal Shudist Russia last year, where he brought down the Lashon of Sveik the Yitzchak as well. But then I was like to find in Or Torah, in Or HaTorah from the Tzemach Tzedek in Parshas Vayera, for the Tzemach Tzedek. And this is really going to be the, the starting point of what we're going to try and discuss tonight with regards to Yitzchak, which is the the possibility of the impossible or the impossibility of possibility. Now, the two ways of framing that are are significant to some. You know, there's many thinkers from elsewhere that spend a lot of time discussing the nature of Misa, the nature of death, in their perspective as whether it is the possibility of impossibility, meaning it's living with the reality of something that is impossible to comprehend, that it can emerge at some point. So it's the possibility of experiencing something impossible or versus the other camp, which said it's the impossibility of possibility, meaning that that moment of Misa is the end of all possibility. So I'm not being so medayik in, in which Lashon we're using, but what we're going to see with Yitzchak is that it's a possibility that emerges specifically out of the impossible, which therefore shows us that the impossible is possible. And so to start off, we'll see this Tzemach Tzedek, which Baruch Hashem brings down this Mokor. And like I said, we're going to spend more time in Osios during these classes to show to show where the where the Torah of the Tzadikim is going to and coming from. So in Medrash Rabbah and Parshas Emor, it says that Yitzchak Avinu is the is the highest of all is, of all Avos. Yitzchak Ikra Tukva the Yitzchak. In the Zayar Kadosh, it's referred to as the strength of Yitzchak. Tushbachasa the Avon. It's the most praiseworthy of the fathers. And the Tzemach Tzedek continues to ask. He says, but that's seemingly strange because Avram Avinu we can understand is Chesed and Rachamim and compassion and loving kindness. Yaakov Avinu the Bechir Sheba Avos, the one who is Moilid the twelve Shvatim. Like we saw, there's clearly a, a categorization of Avram and Yaakov on one side and Yitzchak on the other, like we saw from the Gemara in Shabbos um, last week. And so the Tzemach Sadek says, so why is it that Yitzchak is going to be identified as the Tushbechas of the Avon, the highest of all of the Avos, to the extent, like we saw from the Gemara, that in the future, it's not going to be Avram Avinu or Yaakov Avinu who help us get towards redemption past that seemingly impossibility of redemption. It's specifically going to be Yitzchak who leads us there. To the extent that we're going to say about Yitzchak, Ki ata Avinu, so you are a father, because specifically through the Midah of Yitzchak within ourselves, we're going to be Zorichat Geula. So Zakta Tzemach Sadek. 
We can try and understand why Yitzchak is identified as the top, because in the future we're going to say, like Chazal tell us, that Yitzchak, you are our father. Which means to say, based on what the Arizal describes, that in the future that which appears to be severe and concealed is in truth going to be revealed to be the birthplace of expression. And that in truth, Bina, like we described as being rooted in Yitzchak, Kol HaShameya Yitzchak Li, anybody who hears is going to laugh, hearing that Sadiqim say is associated with Bina, Ani Bina Li Gevura, so like we said, that Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov can be compared to Chachma, Bina, and Das, Yitzchak being Bina, which is the birthplace of severity within the self. So we see that Yitzchak Avinu represents this eventual elevation of that which appears to be concealed over what we assume to be higher, and that's expressed in the ascendancy of Bina in the future, where we say, So we can say, says the Tzemach Tzedek, that's why we identify Yitzchak as the Rosh of the Avos, because it's a transformation of that which appears to be difficult, of that which appears to be concealed, of that which appears to be rooted in the difficulty of experience and the concealment of existence, and in truth, that's going to be revealed to be the highest. And the Tzemach Tzedek continues, and he says that this is the Indian of the future, this is the Indian of the laughter of Yitzchak. The laughter of Yitzchak emerges from what it emerges from the transformation of that which appears to be destitute and concealing and difficult and hard and, and frightening and scary and all of the synonyms that we associate with Yitzchak. In truth, that's going to be the birthplace of revelation. That's going to be the birthplace of, of laughter. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight, Be'ezer Sashem. Because what we're learning in the Parshios and what we're seeing in, in front of our eyes in Kriya Satora is that there is a real awareness of the impossibility of Yitzhak Avinu's emergence into this world prior to his emergence into this world. That Sarah, Sarah's reaction and Avraham's reaction on a certain level, very different, but not quite completely separate, is that the reaction with laughter towards the fact that Hashem says that Yitzchak is going to be born to you in your old age is a laughter of impossibility. It's it's not a nihilistic laughter that negates value, but it's a, a laughter of negation. It's a laughter that says, no, this is impossible. Almost a scoffing at the fact that this possibility is being offered to me, but I know in truth that this possibility is impossible. It's not something that can happen. It's not in accordance with the reality that I live in. It's not in accordance with the frameworks and the measurements and the rules and the certainties that I encounter my day-to-day -day experience with. So you're telling me something is possible. I'm saying it's impossible. And the laughter is at the very possibility of, of the impossible becoming possible. That's the birthplace of laughter in this context. The birthplace of laughter and the eventual naming of Yitzchak to be identified with this experience of laughter is the emergence of the possibility of that which I know and feel deeply to be impossible becoming a possibility. It's a surprise. You're telling me that what I thought was impossible is possible. I couldn't have believed that to be possible a second ago, but now you suddenly break open and you crack up the screen and you reveal that there's in fact a possibility of this impossibility. So the reaction is laughter. Now that laughter can sometimes come by way of negating that possibility. No, it's not possible. It's impossible and allowing the, the, the impossibility to prevent me from opening myself up to possibility. But on the other hand, the laughter can also be an affirmative laughter in the sense that a laughter is, is the response to the fact that nothing makes sense anyway. 
Nothing makes sense anyway. The fact that the possible is possible doesn't make sense. So why can't it be that the impossible should also become possible? Sarah Imenu seems, as we understand from the Meforshim, to have responded to the declaration that the impossible is now possible with a, not a scoff, but a negation. It's impossible for that to happen. And the laughter is at the impossibility of the impossible becoming possible. But Avram Avinu's laughter was a, a, an affirmative laughter in the sense that I know that everything is random and I know that everything is run directly by your hashkacha rabbanishleilam on every level. And that which appears to be certain and possible is only because you've decided to make that possible, which means that the impossible is not something that is ontologically and in real reality impossible, but rather it's impossible because I haven't deemed it as possible yet. But through the laughter of affirmation, which is cracking up at the fact that, you know, Mamish, I have no idea about anything. I have no idea what's possible, what's impossible. I know nothing. I don't know the difference between Teva and Nase anymore. At that point, the laughter is an affirmative laughter that declares the possibility of the impossible. This is what the Svasemis describes in describing why it is that Sarah seems to be taken to task for her laughter, while Avraham is not taken to task for his laughter, but rather is celebrated for his laughter. Because the midah of laughter, the midah of negation, a nihilistic laughter, the laughter of Zarathustra, that's described by secular philosophers in Nietzsche's writings. Zarathustra is this laughter of the wild man that comes down to negate all value, the Philistinian laughter, right? the laughter of, of negation, of nihilistic approach to life. There's no value whatsoever. And laughter is identified as something that very often is associated with the negation of human experience, with falling into disarray and chaos, as we see throughout Sefer Beratius. That laughter is associated with a levity and a nihilistic approach to there being absolutely no value. And therefore, laughter is seen as a negation, a, a devaluing of something, a saying that things are, are meaningless. And so laughter is something that was already stuck in the lower parts of the self, where when I'm laughing, it's a negation of laughter. Laughter is in the face of, this is not possible, and I'm not going to try, and it's hopeless, et cetera, et cetera. It's dark, and therefore the only thing is to laugh at anybody who comes along and says something is possible. Sarah Imenu seems to have still remained stuck, not stuck, but still trying to rectify the negation of laughter, the laughter that says that things are not possible. It wasn't a nihilism. It wasn't saying nothing is valuable. It was saying that according to my understanding, this seems to be impossible and it can't happen. The change cannot take place. I can't do that thing. I can't become X, Y, or Z. And what Avram Avinu did was he rectified it. He took laughter and not only did he not fall into the negation of all value, but he affirmed value. Avram Avinu said, you know what? The randomness, the absurdity of all things, the absurdity and Avram Avinu understands that this is going to be the hakdama necessary for the akeda, where he's going to come face to face with the absurdity of it, where he's going to come face to face with the delicate boundary of the yes and the no. And Avram Avinu is capable of affirming laughter, of saying, no, there's going to be a laughter here that's not negative of value or order, but it's a negation that brings me to the place of pure emunah. This is why the Tzemach Sada continues that it's specifically within Bina, that place of, of Yitzhak Avinu, of severity, of difficulty, of failure, of falling, that we're going to be able to reveal the highest lights imaginable of La'asid Lavo, that the lights of La'asid Lavo, the lights of Keser, the lights of Or Ein Sof, which is the Gematria of Slok, as Ravitcher Meyer Morgenstern points out in the name of the Tzemach Sadek, that the deepest revelation of all, the true essence of the Rabbi Nishlalim being expressed as it is in this very moment in the bareness of reality, 
of that which is, is, of kacha, of this is how it is, of keser kol the hakar of leis asar panemine. There's nothing outside of the Rabbani Shleilam. Possible, impossible, it makes no difference. It's all the Rabbani Shleilam. That giloi, that or of the or of La'asad level only gets drawn down by the Midah of Yitzchak. Which means that what we see with regards to the emergence of Yitzchak is that it comes from a place of recognizing at first glance that this is something impossible. There's a yeyush. Hope, like we spoke about in the Shirman Hope, kivoi, the yearning towards something is the recognition that even though something is not present right now, even though that it appears that in this moment in my life, I can't do that thing. I can't accomplish that thing that I'm trying to accomplish. I can't take that next step. I can't change this mida. I can't change this thought pattern. I can't change this ingrained trait. So when a person is hopeless, it's because there's no possibility for the circumstances that keep me in that situation to change. And when a person finds themselves in a dark place in whatever type of space they find themselves in, in the moments of Yitzchak Avinu, in the Chayshech of the Laila, in that world of Yitzchak Avinu that at first glance appeared to be devoid of the light of Chesed and Rachamim. So it's very easy for a person to be miyayish. It's very easy for a person to say, there's no possibility for a shift here. Whether it's because of me or not, there's no possibility. That's the hopelessness. That's the yeyush that precedes the revelation of Yitzchak the emergence of the possibility of that which I thought was impossible, the impossible taking place. Sorry, Imenu, having a child when, when she knows that it's an impossibility, when she knows that it's an impossibility according to her perception of possible and impossible. To emerge out of that hopelessness, to emerge out of that yeyush and to suddenly realize that, wow, all of the boundaries and the rules and the bifurcations and the separation between what I conceive as possible and impossible, hope and hopeless, light and darkness, is mamish not, has nothing to do with me. It's got nothing to do with me. It's got everything to do with the Rabbanishlad. And at that point, at that point, when the impossible becomes possible, there's a giloy of tikva, of hope from within, from within hopelessness. There's a bracha that comes after a hedar. There's, a, there's an effulgence, a fullness, an expression, a moment of, of yeshus, a moment of yeshus amiti, of presence, of calmness, of emuna, of tainug in emuna, a moment where a person can lean into life and say, I believe in the Rabbani Shleilam. I believe that all of it is rooted in the ultimate good. And in this moment, I am okay. There's a presence that saturates all things. That's the birthplace. That's the birthplace of Yitzchak Avinu. And so it's only out of that yeyush. Now, in Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, somebody who we said last week is very makusher to the world of Yitzchak Avinu. According to the Talmidim, according to Rav Avram ben Rav Nachman, the Bir Halikutim, the entire Indian of Rabbi Nachman is the Sleik the Yitzchak. The entire Indian of Rabbi Nachman is Bina, is the world of separation, revealing a deeper light of unity, of Atik, that's Meskala in Bina. The entire world of Rabbi Nachman is a world of Yitzchak. And we see that when Rabbi Nachman tries to travel to Eretz Yisrael, prior to getting to Eretz Yisrael, he says that in order to get to the godless, the godless of Eretz Yisrael, in order to get to the true heights of spiritual experience, of living life as it truly is in this moment with the light of Amuna, the godless of godless, a person has to first and foremost go through the katnas of katnas. A person can only go to that greatness by way of, of smallness within smallness of hopelessness within hopelessness, of a double darkness, an experience of being in the Betan Hanachash, as the, as the Roshash writes. 
And when Rabbi Nachman descended into that place that he descended into for the sake of coming to the godless, the godless of Eretz Yisrael, and we know the story, Baruch Hashem, we know the story from, from Rabbi Nassan who, who defines the story. My brother Rabbi Josh Rosenfeld gave a series of shirim on this trip of Rabbi Nachman, the spiritual experience and the reality of Rabbi Nachman going down into those low places for the sake of coming to Eretz Yisrael. They're very valuable shirim. They really bring a person along the journey. And when Rabbi Nachman hid himself and concealed himself in that place and allowed himself to be enveloped within that self-made darkness that he had to descend into for the sake of godless Shabbat of Eretz Yisrael, he wanted to go by the name of Yitzchak. He said, Yitzchak is the best name that you can call me. Yitzchak is the best name that you can call me. He was messing around with everybody. He was laughing with everybody. He was making slick out of everything. He was pretending to be one thing when not being the other thing. He was sending voices and echoes. He was living the experience of Yitzhak Avinu. And there was a chassid who came to Rabbi Nassim, and the chassid had a problem. He wanted to name his child who had been born after Rabbi Nachman. But at the same point, he had a sabah whose name was Yitzhak. So he didn't know who to be machabed. And what Rabbi Nassim answered was that you should name him Yitzhak because by naming him Yitzhak, you're makayim shleim. It's Yitzhak and Nachman. And if you do Nachman, it's only Nachman. So we see that Rabbi Nachman is part of that world of Yitzhak Avinu. And Rabbi Nachman says, Asur Asur A person can never fall into hopelessness. A person can never allow themselves to fall into despair. Because in the moment when a person lives the Yitzhak within themselves, or lives in a world of Yitzhak, in the generation of Yitzhak, which the Ramak says we live in, we live in the Shemitah of Yitzhak. Everything is about Yitzhak. We live in a universe of Yitzhak. Because it's the universe of Geula, and we know that Geula is tied up with Yitzvah, and therefore we live in a universe, in the epoch of Yitzvah. Beforehand was the epoch of Avram Avinu, that was Mayim B'mayim, the waters of Hasadim. Now we live in a place of Tohu and Tiklun, of Yitzvah Avinu experience. Nabi Nachman says that Asur Lehetiyayish, a person cannot lose hope. It's forbidden to lose hope. It's forbidden to give in to the possibility that something is impossible. You're not allowed to admit to the fact that something is impossible because impossibility is something that is only dependent on your mindset. Again, in accordance with the status that a person has in that moment, the next step is what appears to be impossible. The next step out of our vision, what we don't conceive as possible, that's what is not impossible. That a person can always inch themselves ever but ever slowly but surely forward, inch after inch, half an inch, in imperceptible movements of growth. Karin Ahmed says that impossibility is an impossibility. There's no such thing as impossible. But then Rabbi Nachman changes, and we've spoken about this a little bit in the past, that instead of saying asur lehitiyesh, it's forbidden to give up hope, which implies the possibility of hopelessness, but rather it's a prohibition, because you don't prohibit something that's not possible. So when Rabbi Nachman says asur lehitiyesh, it's forbidden to give up hope, the implication is that it's possible, but you shouldn't do it. Then Rabbi Nachman changes and uses a different turn of phrase, which is, there's no such thing as hopelessness in this world, which is very different than saying Asur Lehitiyesh. Asur Lehitiyesh tells me that it's a possibility to lose hope. It's a possibility that things are impossible, mamish. I'm just not allowed to admit it. And it transitions us to a place of which is saying that even when you experience Yeyesh, even when you experience the impossible, it's still not impossible. The first level of Asur Lihitiyayish is don't admit that things can be impossible. Always believe that they're possible. But then what happens when a person falls into a place of impossibility, when a person falls into that place of Choyshech, of their Be'eros, of the wells that they dig being covered over, 
of the openings being closed, of, of the yeyush-inducing process that people go through sometimes on a day-to-day, moment-to-moment experience on one hand. So what happens when a person falls into those places of yeish? What happens when yeish does take place? When a person is transgressive of that prohibition of asur lihit and you know what, Nebuch, the person falls into yeish. So then Rabbi Nachman comes along and adds a different metzias. It's a different halacha in yeish. The halacha here is that, no, 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 the MS, there's no such thing as yeish. Impossibility does not exist. Because the possible and the impossible are both within the purview and the hands of the infinite light of the Rabbani Shalala. Lays asar panamine. Lays asar panamine. And therefore, all of our human conceptions of what is possible and impossible are in truth simply from the perspective of our human experience. But at that level, at the bottom, where a person has lost all hope, when a person falls into Yeyush, what they come to realize is that, Mamish, my conceptions are totally flawed. I know absolutely nothing whatsoever. And Rabbi you're here with me below, just as you were there with me above. When I'm ascending and when I'm descending, when I'm running and I'm returning. And at that moment, I come to realize that the binaries and the bifurcations between what I conceive as possible and impossible in my individual, subjective, psychological, lived experience of Avodah Hashem, between me and myself, between me and my loved ones, and between me and the Rabbi nothing is impossible. I can always move forward. And it's only when I come in contact with that yeish, when I come in contact with that prohibited space, and I break through the barriers of Asur Lehit and I find myself, when I fall into the place that I've fallen into, when the wells have been covered over, in that place I now have the opportunity of realizing that even yeish is not yeish. There's no such thing as yeish. There's always hope. There's always possibility, even if everything points to the fact that it's impossible. And Yitzchak Avinu comes from this place. Yitzchak Avinu comes from this place. And the Balhasulam writes in a letter, the Balhasulam was also very makusher to the world of Yitzchak. The Balhasulam's yard site is on Yom Kippur, which is the Zman of Bina. The Balhasulam is all makusher to the Aliyah and the Yerida of going up and down the ladder. The hidden knowledge that Yitzchak had that in truth Yosef was still alive, but he was unable to tell that to Yaakov. Because Yitzchak understood possibility, impossibility, it makes no difference. Yaakov's avoida was to come to realize that there is a distinction between possibility and possibility. Yosef is gone and he's not here. Yitzchak understood that no, 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 even when Yosef is gone, Yosef is still here. Even when the bris is gone, the bris is still there. And the Balhasulam's entire inyan is bina, is, is kalim, is utilizing the kalim that we have, our gavuros, our limitations, our Yitzchak moments, and not fighting them, but transforming them. Fine, I have to receive something in this world. I'm begging. I'm a beggar in this world. I'm a mishulach in this world. You can't tell me not to desire and to yearn for things. So the Balasulam comes and says is that, Mamish, you're still going to yearn for things, but yearn for them for the sake of sharing them. Yearn for them for the sake of giving them to somebody else. Be a bab marachim. It's be makabel amanas lahashpia instead of receiving for the sake of receiving. And the Balasulam says that there's no zman yoiter me'usher me'ayeyashatim. That at certain points, there's no valuable site in spiritual, psychological life as valuable as Yeyush, as valuable as coming to that place where it's impossible, where it's impossible. I can't go forward. I can't move forward. I can't move backwards. I can't move to the right. I can't move to the left. It's a Bein HaMitzarim. And in that moment, when a person hits that point of Yeyush, and they come to realize that ancient Yeyush Ba'ilam Klau, at that moment, the Mahapech, the deepest Chayshech, into the deepest light, which is the Sleik of Yitzchak Avinu, of realizing that even the impossible is possible. And there's no Zman Yoter Me'ushar, no Zman Yoter Me'ushar for the individual, than that point of Yeish. 
The Rebbe Rashab says this as well in Hemshech Samachvav on Daf Puf Bays. I'm not going to read it inside because there's one Makor that we'll read inside today, but we've spoken about this Makor before, where the Rebbe Rashab points out that the Lashon of Chikoy, of waiting, of anticipation, of desire, is rooted in Tikva, is rooted in hope, but it's a hope that's born out of Yeish. It's a hope that is born out of the loss of hope. It's a, it's a hope that comes out of the impossibility. It's born out of that place where I have lost all hope. And now all I can do is desire the absolute everything of everything, the Rabbani Shleimah. Avi ve'imi azavuni, those things that I thought I had have left me, my considerations, my assumptions, my knowledge, that's left me. Hashem ya'aspeni, and Hashem picks me up at that point. And it's only through, it's only through that yeyush that the tikva is niskala. It's only through that yeyush that the tikva is niskala, and that's the mita of Yitzchak Avinu. And what I want to look at, what I want to look at is a, a teaching from the Beis Yaakov of Ishbitz. And after the Beis Yaakov of Ishbitz, we'll take a look at a teaching from Rabbi Nachman, which will bring us back to, to what we're trying to get to, Be'ezer Sashem. Now, the Beis Yaakov and the Tzadikim of Ishbitz, obviously, are very, very much mukusher to the world of Yitzchak Avinu. The whole light of the Meshilah, the whole light of that place comes from that same place of Bina, which is me, which is Mei Shiloyach Mem and Yud, which is the Nun Shari Bina, which is the Shirish of Yitzhak Avinu, which is the Shirish of Sok, because that's a place where what I thought I knew is revealed to be absolute ignorance, and I know absolutely nothing, and all I can do is laugh at the impossible becoming possible and the possible becoming impossible. And so what we find in the Meishiloyach, and because the architect on a certain level of Ishbitz and Radzin is the Saudi Sharm himself, because he was compiling the teachings. So we see a hamshacha on a certain level between the gradations of the teachings of Ishbitz and Radzin. What you find in the Meishiloach, you will find in the Beis Yaakov, and you will certainly find in the Saidi Sharm. Now, Ora Wiskin Helper in her book about the Beis Yaakov makes a very clear and valid point, which is that there's a difference between the Meishiloach, the first generation, the Saidi Sharm, the third generation, and the Beis Yaakov, the second generation, in terms of the development of the teachings and how the teachings were given over. But you see much more of an affinity between the Torah of the Meishiloach and the Torah of the Saidi Sharm, the Balat Chelas, than you find in the Beis Yaakov. But by MS, what it is, it's Tohu, Tikin, and Tohu. That prior to prior to tikkun and rectification, we live in a world of chaos. On a certain level, the Torah of the Meshiloach is a is a, a Torah of tohu. It's a Torah of of transforming everything we thought we knew about things. Then after we we are decentered enough. Then we learn the Torah of the Beis Yaakov, which is a ground, right? Beis Yaakov is, is learning, is studying, and then after that tikkun, that rectification, which we conceive of as higher, we then come to the Saidi Sharim, which is really the Indian of Oyris to Tohu Bekelem de Tikkun. It's the light of Tohu, but within the vessels of receptivity in a healthy way, where it's the intense, powerful, potent teachings, life-saving teachings of the Meshiloach, but brought into the Hamshacha and the Giluyim, or Mesudar, and, and order of the Beis Yaakov. So the Beis Yaakov and, and, and Bereshah says as follows, and, and this is on the Pasuk, Betishak Sarah Bekirba. So it's about the, the schoik, it's about the schoik of Sarah, her reaction to the possibility of the impossible taking place. And I'm going to read just a few pieces. I'm going to paraphrase some of the Torah. It's a very lengthy Torah. But what the Beis Yaakov says is as follows, that from the aspect that from her perspective and his perspective, there was absolutely no reason to hope for any type of salvation. 
he, they didn't even have the desire to pray for it. They didn't even have the thought to ask for it. It wasn't that I don't think I deserve it. It was that it's an impossibility. It was absent from their perception of what the world was, what the limitations and the boundaries of what it means to live in existence, to be in this world meant. Just as it won't arise within the heart of the individual to daven for something that has passed away to be revived, for that which is dead to come back to life. Why? Because from the human perspective, from our limited grasp and our psychologically lived experience of spirituality in this world, there's no room for this. It doesn't fit within the rules of reality. And even though we believe that in the future things will transition and we believe that the dead will be revived, that's only from the side of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, because he can do whatever he wants. But when the individual is trying to psychologically conceive of what is possible in this world, this is the absolute opposition to what I think is possible, and I live with that hopelessness. But in truth, the salvation that comes about afterwards, the salvation that comes about when a person specifically thought that it was hopeless, is very different than the salvation and the redemption that comes about when I had hope for something. When I have hope for something, when there's room for me to conceive of, of spiritual progression, of psychological progression, of movement in my life. So that that giloy, that revelation in my life is something that emerges from above to below. It's referred to as or yashar, a light that descends directly from above to below. I'm looking towards the source. I'm looking towards Hashem. I know it's a possibility. Through my actions, I can draw it down. Through my hope, I can draw it down. That's when I have room in my worldview that this transition, this fixing can take place. But when a person finds themselves in dire straits of impossibility where I can't move forward, I can't move backwards, I can't change, I've tried and I can't, I've tried and I can't, I've tried and I can't. At that point, we're not even looking upwards to the source to desire that light to descend. Now it's coming from below. It's coming from that very low place, that rock bottom experience of, of yeyush where the giloi comes from below to above, something referred to as or choser, a reverberating light. The direct descending light that comes from above to below, it doesn't have any preventions in the face of it. It's smooth sailing. The reverberating light happens when that descending light hits a limit. There's some mania, there's some yeyush, and what we thought was the end of it actually becomes the centrifugal force that forces that hopelessness back into hope with an even deeper ferocity and intensity. That the limit level that that descending salvation and hope hits in the moment of hopelessness is what propels us into an even deeper hope, the hope within hopelessness. The Klal Gadol that Rabbi Nachman Yitzchak teaches us, which is that it doesn't exist. And the salvation, the rectification that comes about from this place beyond the human capacity of comprehension, beyond what I expected to be possible. That's a much greater revelation of godliness. That's much greater receiving of bracha than something that was possible to begin with. Because there needs to be a tremendous concealment in the world prior to the emergence of Yitzchak. And that concealment was that his parents had lost absolute hope in the possibility of him. To the extent that there was absolutely no room to hope whatsoever because the aspect of Yitzchak is the aspect of Zriya of planting, and planting is emuna, like Chazal tell us. Why? Because I take something and I kill it, I destroy it. I let go of it, I let, I let it away from my grasp. I implant it into the ground, I'm no longer in charge of it. My rules and regulations of power and powerlessness, of control and lack of control, of possible and impossibility, are no longer in my hands. Zriya is an act of hopelessness. It's a, it's a last-ditch effort to let go of something and to hope, beyond hope, that it will take shape in the proper way.
the mid of Yitzchak is Vayizra Yitzchak, and Yitzchak planted. He gave everything over to Hashem. He says, Hashem, possible, impossible, I don't know anymore. I know absolutely nothing. I don't desire anything but this moment with you. As the Meshulach teaches us that Yitzhak's emergence into the world is the sudden revelation of the fact that Hashem is everything. Prior to Yitzhak, we thought that that everything is in the hands of HaKadosh Baruch Hu except for the human being's experience of Hashem in this world. That it's up to us, that we're responsible to find Hashem, to be connected to Hashem. The revelation of Yitzchak says the Meshiloach, and what the Beis Yaakov is hinting to here is that in truth, Yitzchak Avinu is the revelation that a Kolbi de Shemayim, a Even Yerushalayim is in the hands of Hashem. The way we comprehend the Rabbi Shalom is directly from the Rabbi Shalom. This is the secret of Tzimtzum, that the Tzimtzum is a revelation of Hashem, as we're going to see from Rabbi Nachman. This is the Giloy, and for that, Sarah had to laugh. It's impossible to live that way. It's impossible to live with that and still be a Baal Bechira. But the world of Yitzhak is to tolerate the, the paradox of it all. Like we said, Yitzhak is a paradox. It's Bechira and Yediyah at once. As the tzaddikim from the base Medrash of the Grod described by the Akedah. The Akedah is the revelation that Yediyah and Bechira, foreknowledge and free will, operate in a paradoxical, mutual, sustaining dance of one another. And the meat of Yitzchak is to bring this recognition into the world that even our relationship with Hashem, even Yirat Shemayim, even our volitional way of living with the light of Hashem in our lives comes from Hashem himself. This is the secret of Yitzchak to recognize this explicitly that everything exists within the purview of the Rabbanu Shalom. And if the infinite light of the Rabbanu Shalom, if Hashem Yisparach decides that something is going to work and something is not going to work, then it's just what Hashem decides. And even Tchiyas HaMesim is associated with Yitzhak for this reason. It's in the bracha of Gevura. It's in M'chayi Mesim Atta. Atta Gibor Lo'elam Hashem. Because that light of Yitzhak is the revelation that something always remains. There's an infinite hope that exists at the heart of hopelessness itself. This redemption of the self in this moment is the secret of Yitzhak whose aspect is to recognize that everything is in the hands of Hashem. And that in truth, it's only up to Hashem to give me the ability. And that's why in the future, it's only going to be Yitzchak who gives us the ability to find that redemption, to find that Geula, to laugh with him. This impossibility, this impossibility of, of what we, we thought was taking place, what is not taking place, the Sayyidi Sharm explains as well in Sukkis and Ois Tzabi Beis, that laughter, as we're going to see, emerges upon something that was completely lost from the mind. I had absolutely no hope whatsoever that this is something that would take place. And it's specifically the redemption that comes from that place, which was referred to as Yitzvah. Now, this revelation of something new, as we're going to see in future Shirim, about the Yasan, and we're going to descend into the teachings of Chabad Labavitch in terms of understanding the sight of Yitzvah and laughter in the self very much. What I want to end with tonight something that Rabbi Nachman talks about in Torah Samach Dalet. And Torah Samach Dalet is a Torah we're going to be living with throughout the, the Shirman Yitzchak Avinu because Torah Samach Dalet is the Torah of Tzimtzum. And as we saw, Yitzchak is the Torah of Tzimtzum. Yitzchak is impossibility being possible, creation being possible. Prior to the Tzimtzum, creation was impossible. All there was was infinite light. If HaKadosh Baruch there was no room for anything. The secret of Tzimtzum is that Hashem can make the impossible possible, which is that the infinite can manifest itself also in finite limitation. 
The secret of Tzimtzum is the deepest joke in the world. It's the deepest light of Yitzhak Avinu because in the future, when Mashiach Tzidkenu comes, we're going to undo the Tzimtzum and we're going to realize that the Yeshutz itself is the highest revelation. It's the Malchus of Nuz Berada, like Rav Aaron HaLevi, Meister Selya says in Parshas Toldos, in Avodas HaLevi, that the reason that Yitzhak loves Esav, as we're going to see, is because Yitzhak understands that the Yeshus itself is the deepest revelation of the Rabban Shalim. The secret of Tzimtzum, the joke of Tzimtzum, the doubling of Tzimtzum, the ha-ha of Tzimtzum, that prevention and progression, and the progression and prevention at once, the paradox of it all, is Tzimtzum, it's Tzamtzim, it's Yudke, Yudke, and Atbash, it's a doubling of itself, which is the ha-ha, when I have to look twice, it's the Re'era Inu of Yitzhak Avinu, like we saw last week in the name of Simcha Bunim, that you have to look twice. And Rabbi Nachman doesn't say that Simpson is literal. Rabbi Nachman doesn't say that Simpson is figurative. Rabbi Nachman says that Simpson is a paradox which bridges the gap between two possibilities at the very same moment with each side perpetually upholding the existence of the other side in an infinite gradational dance that gives birth to the deepest light imaginable. That's the secret of the Simpson. That's the secret of the Hilul, of the Halel that emerges out of the Hilul, out of the Halal. The secret of life within death itself, the secret of Ketz Chai, which is the Osios of Yitzchak, which is the revelation of life within death. And when Rabbi Nachman is discussing this Simpson, he says it's an impossible place to look into, etc., etc. But in describing the Simpson, Rabbi Nachman is talking about Hinani maybe Arve Bigvulecha. It's talking about the Pasuk of Paro and the Yam as the Sharish of Tzimtzum. And, and for some reason, the Torah of Tzimtzum is connected to the fact that there's going to be Arba, there's going to be the locust in your Gvul. And we're not going to go fully into this, but what the Tzadikim describe is that the secret of the Tzimtzum is the secret of the locust. Kahadein kamsa de levusha mineyube. Like that, 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 that grasshopper that locust whose exoskeleton emerges from within itself, where the shell, the covering, is part of the very thing it's coming to cover. The paradox between He'elem and Giloi and Giloi and He'elem, of concealment and revelation and revelation of concealment, of the Tzimtzum being a Giloi, of Yitzhak being the birthplace of hope, of absence being the birthplace of laughter, of Golas being the birthplace of redemption, of darkness being the very sight of life. That place of Yitzhak Avinu, that Sloik, that revaluation, that or of Purim, that venahapahu, that gives birth to that strike of Yitzchak, to the Gilei of the Orient Sof. This kahadin kamsa de levushim in this locust whose exoskeleton emerges outside of itself, which is the secret how the concealment is part of the revelation and the absence is part of the presence. And what is this arbe? What is this locust which teaches us about, uh, about Simpson? It's... It's in the Arba et Zarecha that's told over to Yitzchak that I'm going to give forth blessing by you. I'm going to multiply. I'm going to reveal even more by way of concealment. And this is why Arba, Aleph, Reish, Beis, Hey is the gematria of Yitzchak. Because the entire Indian of the Tzimtzum is the Indian of Yitzchak. And we're going to see next week, God willing, how this applies to the very secret of the fact that even Bechira, even the, the, the possible is rooted in impossible. And even the impossible is rooted in the possible. That place of laughing at the fact that the impossible is possible. And this Arbe, this light of Yitzchak, this concealment that emerges outside of itself, that gives birth to laughter when we come to realize that the greatest concealment was in truth, the greatest sight of revelation, and that the stuckness in our lives was in truth, the place of motivation. It's a secret that 
my experience of Hashem is coming from Hashem as well. Hashem, my heart is telling me to cry out to you. The secret of Hesboidus, where my words become Ruach HaKodesh, as Rabbi Nachman says. Where I speak to you through myself and you speak to me through myself. Where I come to realize that I myself as the limitation of existence is in truth rooted in the infinite light of the Rabbi Nishleim. And this sentiment that in truth, even the deepest desires of the self emerge from the Rabbani Shlalem himself, the secret of Yitzchak, of realizing that Afilu Yirashamayim is Biyad Hashem, that even my comprehension of Hashem comes straight from him, that I have nothing possible, impossible, I have nothing. This is referred to in Eov as the secret of Achen Ruachu Be'enosh. Ah, it turns out that in truth, there is a spirit in the heart of man. It's at the end of Eov's friends responding to him. And then Eov trying to respond and waiting for Eov's response for him to stop complaining about the Yitzhak moments in life. So his friends say to him, It turns out that there's a spirit that moves within man. And Rashi and the Malbim point out there that what it means is that in truth, the thoughts of man come from the Rabbanishle. There's a spirit that moves in man and it's in truth the, the spirit of godliness that they're understanding. And Rabbi Nachman says this paradox of realizing that the deepest emotional experiences that I have of desire to connect to Hashem out of the hopelessness are in fact coming from Hashem. And the concealment is in fact part and parcel of the revelation. Achein ruach says Rabbi Nachman, is Rosh Tevos Arba. It's the Rosh Tevos of Arba, that secret of the Tzimtzum, of Hadein Kamsa de Levushim in that locust whose exoskeleton emerges from within itself, where the concealment is in truth a revelation, where the hopelessness itself gives birth to hope, where the impossibility becomes possible, and we learn that we can move ever so slightly forward by laughing, by moving ourselves ever so slightly forward, by laughing with our feet, laughing with our hands, laughing with every part of ourselves, when we realize that what we think is impossible is, is mamish possible when we let go of it all. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.